Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges, and much more. Please go to thewfia.org, that's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org, and become a member today. All right, everybody, this is PWZ right here. We're on the World Sports Broadcasting Network and WON Sports. I am Rick Del Santo, and joining me, very good friend, Flynn Hendricks. What's going on, my friend? Rick, thanks for having me back, man, and thanks for making this happen throughout a crazy day. I'm just glad to be here again and glad to be chatting it up with you. I mean, we kept in touch since your last appearance. We've had oh yeah, had some uh, great conversations. And I noticed that you're doing quite well for yourself out there. I'll be honest. I have to, uh, I have to remind myself of that sometimes because I feel like I'm not doing enough, but then I end up taking on too much and my wife mm -hmm. gets mad at me. So I have to back it off a little bit, but I mean, it's, I'm trying to teach myself to uh, stop and smell the roses and not miss the, uh, the forest for the trees, you know, cause I always want to move on to that next thing or try and get back to this big company or whatever. But I'm having a lot of fun doing this stuff on the independence and, you know, carving out a trail there. So I've got to stop and, you know, smell the roses more often. Yeah. And uh, I know from personal experience as well, it's been a crazy busy year for me with the, oh, between yeah. this show, uh, taking on a wrestling company and becoming uh, part of it, uh, becoming an announcer. And um, I guess you can say I'm contributing pretty heavily uh, yeah. to the creative process, pro creative process and, uh, and such and i know man being a family man and working day jobs and trying to be a mm -hmm. uh, and trying to be involved in the world of wrestling and entertainment it's uh it can be very stressful but at the same time it's extremely fun and, and it ends is up, uh, it ends up worth it in the end oh absolutely i mean it, it's it's a chance to escape from reality for a little bit if you've got stress or you've got frustrations it's a chance to let that play out with the red light on and bring that to that to the character that you're portraying, whether you're a good guy or a, a villain, whatever it may be. It's just a chance to let it all go and have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I see you captured some new gold recently with the uh, AIWF television championship. Absolutely. Yeah, I won that. Um, man, I feel like I. it's so funny that I won it in a town that I would consider – Probably would have been like one of the worst nights of my career the year before. Uh, but then, you know, to come back and do that, it was, um, especially given the circumstances of the match prior to this, it was a very huge accomplishment because I never thought, you know, like even, even independent wise to say that you're a world champion, whether it's a world television champion, world junior weight, world heavyweight, whatever it may be to have that on your resume and have it, you know, be something that was for other companies an Arn Anderson or a Tully Blanchard title. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment in my book. And it's something that I don't, you know, I don't take lightly. 
around since 1992. Uh, right. Uh, similar to, um, I guess, what you could say is the territory system in a way. Yes. In the old national wrestling, it's a governing body, and there's many, many different promotions throughout the entire world. I believe that uh, uh, the head of it, Matt Classic, Matt Creed, is uh, yes. said that there's something like 92 promotions involved worldwide. I'm I believe so, and I know it's like six continents, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it just became 33 or 34 countries outside of the promotions that are represented in the United States as well, and I think they just had the national championship uh, defended over in Cameroon, I believe, forgive me for not knowing my geography, I think it was South Africa, so I mean, it's the, the prospect of getting to go international, wow. hopefully, I mean, like, that's something that I never really thought would be possible, so to know that that opportunity is there. That's something I'd definitely love to, you know, take advantage of, or at least say I went to Puerto Rico or, you know, somewhere like that. Yeah. Uh, my son's actually in Puerto Rico right now playing basketball for the nice. whole week. So he nice. got to go down there with his basketball team. And that's exciting for us. Uh, and, and as well as being scary for us. Well, uh, understandable. First uh, time outside of the continental United States. You know, yeah. so, but he is a basketball kid and he, uh, he plays all year round AAU ball high school. Uh, he's got one year left of high school. He, um, is one of those kids that he just loves basketball and that's what he really wants to do with his life. And he's about Absolutely. to get off of college. So we're really, really, really looking forward to this and hoping that he really For does sure. because this kid is, uh, pours his heart into it. You know what I mean? Kind of like how, yeah. uh, people in professional wrestling do. Guys that are involved in professional wrestling, those are guys that put their entire heart into the business. Mm -hmm. And I know you're one of them. Absolutely. And it's like I, I see the same thing with my son. He's younger than yours, but with, with your son in basketball, my son with baseball, and it's it's really refreshing and really cool to see these kids that actually have something that they're dedicated to and that they're passionate about other than you know having their face behind a tablet or playing video games all day. So when you see something and you see them develop a skill like that and they're actually developing, learning and growing as a human at the same time, it's so cool to get on board with that and help nurture and help develop that and encourage them along the way too. Yeah. One of, don't get me wrong. One of his favorite uh, pastimes outside of basketball is video games that you just right. mentioned. No. So <laughs> he earns it on the court. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't you talk about winning the the AA? We didn't get fully into it. Why don't you talk about winning yeah. the title? Who who you want it from? Uh, Absolutely. Where where it took place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take it back to the uh, the original setup, which happened the week before, um, because I literally found out, and then it seemed like the wheel was just in motion, and everything was just kind of bing, bang, boom. Here we go. Um, the week before, it would have been July fifth. Um in Hart County, Kentucky, is where I initially laid out the challenge to Gaston LaRue, who was the cha uh, the champion at the time. He was coming in to work with another talent, and I was supposed to go out after his match and lay out the challenge. Now, keep in mind, this is two villains or two bad guys, and I get on the mic to congratulate him. Before he can get the belt, I take it, and you know I'm holding it, and I congratulate him. And then I just lay out the challenge. I, I go in doing my spiel, uh, being a loud mouth, arrogant, you know, just prick. And I challenge him, but then I hear a reaction that I never really would have expected and I'm not really used to getting, but I hear the crowd cheer for me, which I guess, you know, because it's a, uh, uh, how can I say this? 
a talent that they see regularly and that they've seen, you know, consistently over the last year and who's told these stories and worked with their homegrown talents. I guess it, it was kind of a sentimental thing to them, but I had to react in the moment and back off where they're booing me again. So we do that. Gaston accepts the challenge. And then I go out and have a match with a guy named seven. And I've known this guy since my first day training in a wrestling ring. He's about six foot four, 280, And you know, he's, he's built. Like I wouldn't want to see this guy in a back alley. Well, we have our match and you know, he's, I'm, I've got him down, worked on his leg and here comes Gaston. He distracts me. Um, I take the big bicycle kick from seven, one, two, three. He cost me the match and I just absolutely lose my mind, lay out the challenge and put a video out challenging him so that he has to you know, like publicly accept it on social media, everything, and basically hold Matt Classic's hand to the fire and make it happen. So we get to Elizabethtown the next week and seven is in the match before me. He's working another guy who's about 250 and about his size. These guys do a slam and break a part of the ring, which unbeknownst to us didn't know till we got out there in my match. But, you know, he breaks a part of the ring, seven steps in a hole and dislocates his, his knee. Like, okay, that just completely sucks the air out of the crowd. And they're worried about how this guy's going to get to the back, get medical attention, all that fun stuff. So now we have to go out there and I have to get their attention off of that back onto me because I'm going to try and steal the show. Well, we go out there and it ends up being villain versus villain again, which more so towards me. Uh, but that's a natural reaction anyway. And what it all came down to was a guy who very talented for, you know, four years in the ring, but he made the comment, you've been in for 16 years and I don't know who you are. And, you know, it's in my mind, that's something that I would say too, but it, because it was me, it, I took it a little offensively. So it's like, okay, you may think, you know, all this, you may have all these people singing your praises, but he tried to cheat at the end. He tried to hold my tights. I ended up reversing, pulling his tights, saw more hair on a man's backside than I ever wanted to see. And, you know, there we go. One, two, three, I'm the champion. And, you know, it's just kind of like one of those things where, yeah, you're, you're hot stuff right now, man. Like you've done a lot in four years, but don't discount my 16. Cause there's still a lot I could teach you too. And here we are now I'm off and running and he hasn't even gotten a rematch yet. So, right. You know, it's just, and it was, it was one of those things where I was also like waiting with bated breath to see if it was actually going to happen where I was going to actually get the match because I'm a pessimist where I don't believe it until it actually happens. And sometimes wrestling is that way. But, man, it was, a, it was a surreal experience given all the circumstances around it and everything that happened because you didn't really get a chance to sit and absorb it and, you know, just take in what happened. It took about two days for it to actually realize, like, oh, okay, this happened. Like, this is still in my bag. This is here now. And you know, like now I've got to lay out these challenges and get, get my name out to all these other promoters and start booking these shows. And it's, uh, it's really been a constant thing that takes me back to like what I was doing 10 years ago in college where I was working, going to school and then working shows three to five nights a week, sometimes in different States too. And it's just like, man, I've really got to step up and prove now that I can, I can keep up with this younger generation too. And I mean, I've even dropped like 25 pounds in the process since then. So it's just like wow. uh, just trying to get in better shape, trying to get better gear and just make myself stand out and be invested in what I'm doing. But also 
make this mean something too, because I fully believe that even though it's independence, you know, a lot of places will throw around a world title, you know, for a champion that doesn't travel outside of their city. But I want to take this literally anywhere and everywhere that it will go. And I want to look like the guy that should be doing it as well. Now with the television title, it's a very important television. Uh, it's, excuse me. It's a very important title. And I'm not just, it's, uh, there's been very prominent TV champions for various companies yes. in the history of professional wrestling. Now I know you made a post on Facebook a couple days ago, mm -hmm. shortly after winning the belt. Now, and you posted pictures of the two gentlemen that I think are two of the greatest world television champions in the history of professional wrestling for Absolutely. Jim Crockett Promotions, the National Wrestling Alliance, and Arn Anderson, and, of course, Tully Blanchard. Yes, the GOAT. Yes. Yes, sir. So, of course, television titles pretty much known for, basically, to give the fans watching on, at home on television title matches – they're basically known as like the workhorse championship yes. as well. So they can get championship matches each and every week on television and have good quality professional wrestling matches. Now you're in that same category now mm -hmm. as Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, let's say Sting. Yes. Let's say, uh, I'm trying to think of who else could have uh, uh, held that belt. Uh, Steamboat, Bobby Steamboat, Steve yeah. Austin. Like the, the list goes on yeah. and on of these guys that – that yeah. held it. So I mean, like, like you said, different companies, but man, like just <clears throat> the prominent champions and a lineage of a television champion is like like it gives me goosebumps right now just talking about it. Available on all streaming platforms, it's professional wrestling's greatest, largest, privately owned wrestling library. All the classic hits, flips, slams, and pins of yesteryear are on one place. It's all about classic wrestling. Check out the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, Tito Santana, Rick Martel, a who's who of professional wrestling's greatest spotlight stars ever to grace the squared circle all in one place. Grab the best seat in the house for memories and mayhem on Ultimate Classic Wrestling. And, and you know... Um, I mean, those guys just had. I think Baron Von Raschke held it in uh, the mid Atlantic so. in yeah. the mid Atlantic area as well when it was the mid Atlantic uh, championship and uh, right or television championship. Excuse me, now I'm going back a little bit earlier. So right, right. But forgive my information fair. if it's not 100 percent correct. But yeah, so you're in that category now, man. You're just in that that, that workhorse category that, that you're going to go out there each and every week and you're going to bust your ass. I know you. I know Flynn Hendricks. I appreciate that. And I mean, that's, that's not just something that's, you know, like on shows either. That's sometimes to my detriment in real life, in the corporate world and in training and exercising too. And I mean, like, like I mentioned, you know, 10, 11 years ago, which is still so weird for me to say, but I remember times where they would need somebody to have two or three matches on a show. And I would be the guy that would volunteer to do it because like nobody else was jumping up to do it. So I literally just started calling myself a workhorse and, that was the name that ran with it. And it also seems kind of fitting too, because I have experience with, you know, television and acting and all these other things. So it's, it's really kind of fitting that it all kind of came together like it did where this ended up in my lap. Because I mean, earlier this year, you know, I wrapped up a movie that's going to be on Amazon within the next year. Or so I've done all this stuff and 
the workhorse aspect is probably the biggest thing for me because it's not only, you know, what it entails, but you mentioned too, the quality pro wrestling and it's gotten to a point now where the fans know as soon as they hear the first note of my music or they, I stick my head through the curtain, they know what they're going to get. They react. And then nine times out of 10, no disrespect to anybody else on that show the reactions are not near as loud. The boos are not near as loud. There's one or two that are right there with it. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's all because of the workhorse mentality. Because I want to be the best. I want to have to be the guy that either sets the pace for the show or the one that has to follow everything else that comes before it. And I want to do my job to make my opponent look like the ultimate good guy and then cheat him at the end. So I still walk out. But, the, the workhorse mentality is the biggest thing that sticks out as far as being a television champion to me because it's something that is pretty much ingrained in my DNA. Right, right. Who's, uh, who's in your sights or who has you in their sights coming for that belt now? It's been, what, just about a month? A it's bit, been, uh... man, it's coming up just shy of a month. And right. I, know, um, I know Gaston does want a rematch. Of course. And I've actually, you know, I guess – Technically, if you want to qualify, because he beat me before I won the championship, Seven would have been a contender, but now that he's on the shelf, maybe he'll get a chance if he comes back, when he comes back, whenever that may be. Um, and even Brandon Wolf, you know, the guy that I was entangled with over the last year for UCW in the Southern States Championship, he's come back and forth. He's had two chances against it. One went to a double disqualification, and, you know, it's just, Anybody and everybody that wants to step up, I'm even going to Tullahoma within the next month and their crop of young talent that thinks they're ready for it. I've laid out the challenge. Anybody there that wants to accept it, it's open. So September 8th when I'm in Tullahoma, whoever wants to step up and thinks they're TV ready, the opportunity's there. And then twice uh, at the end of August, the last two Thursdays, I'm going to be in Ripley, Tennessee and down around the Jackson area. And I don't know who I'll be facing there, but as far as I know, they've got somebody lined up, and the world heavyweight champion Greg Anthony is going to be in the building too. So maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe it'll be him. Maybe I'll get his championship. I don't know. But, I mean, whoever whoever wants to step up is free to do so. But before all that, not this coming Saturday, but a couple Saturdays out, Monticello, Kentucky will be my next defense for whoever they put in front of me there. So it's all just a matter of training and being ready for whoever they throw in front of me. Sounds like you're ready. I hope. Yeah. I tell myself yeah. I am, so. <laughs> uh, let's see. You. Uh, I'm just going to bring this up. Uh, you appeared on uh, my buddy's podcast last. Was it last night? The night before? Uh, it was a couple nights ago. It was the Huge Pop Wrestling yeah. Podcast on Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a couple it. of uh, – Scott is a very cool dude. For sure. He's uh, getting into uh, getting into the uh, independent wrestling game, and uh, absolutely, you know, I uh, I couldn't say enough good things about you when uh, when he asked me if I had heard of you, and I said oh, yes, thank you. I said yes, I've heard of you. He's been. I said ever since you made the uh, first appearance on your podcast, we've kept in touch for well over a year. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's crazy. It's been that long. It, it is. It's. I didn't even think about it because originally this podcast was scheduled a few months ago, and it was like literally. I think it was like lined up like the same week there uh, when we were supposed to originally do it. And of course yep. I had to reschedule because of my damn. Yep. Uh, and then travel I had, and stuff. I had something come up with the movie too. So it ended up working out in my favorite as well, but 
you know, and then Matt kind of threw us all together again. But yeah, man, like it's it was such a pleasure being on his show. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they end up doing with the show too. And oddly enough, you know, we we laid out that little challenge to Matt Cardona and he he replied to he replied to him, but I don't know if it's gonna happen, you know. So we'll we'll keep hoping and wishing, but the fact that it even got his attention says a lot for what they're doing too. Well, isn't he now known as the king of the indies? He, so, the indie god. Yeah, so you may you might uh, find yourself in the ring with uh, Macadona down the road. That you would, never know. That would be my ultimate. Never yeah. got that match with Jerry Lawler, but I would definitely rank this over that. So if it happens, wow. I'll be ready. Wow, wow. Uh, tell me about the movie that you were in recently that you're, you're, you've uh, mentioned a couple times here. It's going to be on Amazon, you said, right? Yes. Um, so... I'll be honest, when I first heard about it, I, I got a call from the casting agency and they asked me if I wanted to do it. So I said, yeah, I didn't really know a lot of the details at first. And then I'd heard Brian Cranston's name thrown around and I'd heard a few other people's names thrown around that I was quasi familiar with. But the reason Brian Cranston's name came up was that he was going to be associated. He was going to be cast in this movie when it was first kind of drafted back in 2014. Mm-hmm. Well, it never got it never got past that, and they ended up bringing it back uh, just recently with Nicole Kidman and I am drawing a blank on the guy's name, uh, but he was in Secession. Uh, I think he was the the main male lead, and okay. basically, she's his wife, and she has these suspicions. I believe that he's cheating on her, but it turns out that he's a serial killer, and Jeez. he's killing these people. <laughs> uh, it's called Holland, Michigan. Okay. And I was I was just a background guy in it, but you know a lot of the stuff I did was around scenes that she was in. So like you'll see me walking past on the sidewalk as she's getting her kid ready for school and all this other stuff. And I remember I got like six thousand steps doing that one stroll down the sidewalk over and over again. They're trying to keep people off the streets because we're in a in a downtown neighborhood and they're trying to block the streets off, keep these people from you know, coming out and just ruining the shot and everything. But it was, it was literally a surreal experience. And, you know, there were some days they'd say, get here at this time and plan on being here for eight hours, but you may, you know, be prepared to stay later. There was one day I got there at five in the morning and didn't leave till almost five in the evening. And a lot of it was just kind of like hurrying up and waiting. Basically, you know, you get in the costume, you get the makeup, you get everything done then you just sit around and wait. Like that was the one frustrating part of it was that you just sit around and wait, sit around and wait, sit around and wait. And I mean, it was a, it was an amazing experience, but it's just like, I've heard a lot of other wrestlers say it too. When they do wrestling, it's like, we're used to doing it in one take basically, but you've got to get it from this angle. You've got to get it from this angle. You've got to focus on this character. Got to get this shot. Like there's just so many different ways, or you've got to try it with this emotion and it's just, it's literally so many different ways and variations that it can happen. But I mean, it was, it was a fun experience. And I think, you know, like I would be lying if I said I didn't want to do it again, but hopefully next time be kind of more in a, in a leading role, so to speak, but yeah, you no, know, got to pay your dues there too. Well, you've been doing this for quite a few years now, acting, acting, yep. voice acting and uh, amongst other things, right? Yep, and that was uh that was kind of my silver lining of the pandemic because that was when it stopped mattering about whether or not you lived in Dallas or Los Angeles or you know New York or one of these big hub areas. 
some of the places have kind of gone back to that, but you can kind of see my studio over here in the corner. It's makeshift, but it gets the job done. And as long right. as you can, you know, do it via zoom or what we're doing now and have, you know, like just good quality audio content, you can still be eligible instead of them having to pay to, you know, bring somebody in a studio, you can do it right here through zoom or source connect, whatever it may be. And right, right. you can work with somebody like, in France, for example, like I've got representation over in London and, you know, like you could work with somebody in a different time zone, which can get a little tricky, but it's just, it's crazy. The opportunities that the pandemic actually opened up where people can work remotely now where you don't have to be in an office or you don't have to go into a studio in a major city and figure out how you're going to pay rent for an apartment that's four times overpriced. You know, it's just, it's the one silver lining and you get to meet all these people and learn from these people that you never really thought you would get the chance to do. Right, right, right. Uh, that's one thing is like the difference of like working from the, that's how we, this started. This whole show started during mm -hmm. the pandemic. I had nothing to do, nothing. And I had always, I had been involved in radio before. I think I had said right. it before. And I was like going to just start a radio show, do it online. And then I guess I went to an indie show and shit, guess what? I'm doing a wrestling podcast. And then that's yeah. it. So, so now here I am four years later, I started right before the pandemic and the pandemic, I think the show really took off and mm -hmm. I just started, I was just so, so busy and you know, people, there was just nothing but a lot of sitting around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Watching cable TV, uh, still drinking a lot of alcohol because oh, we, yeah. what else, what were we going to do? We're we adults. Were what are we supposed to do? Yeah. We were bored, you know? And Absolutely. so the show, like, would just, I probably produced, I think we just celebrated 300 episodes because I was just, I was just that out of boredom producing multiple episodes a week. You know what That's I mean? Amazing. Yeah. So thank you. But and it's just, uh, and we're just continuing to push. And I guarantee we're just going to freaking just force it out. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm just having a blast. And now it's just, it's just become a regular part of my week doing three, right. four three, four uh, recordings a week. And uh, I probably have enough sitting there just to sit, last me through October. And I'll be, I'll be honest. Like that's kind of, I unintentionally, I was booking a lot of interviews, you know, like sometimes two, three times a week last year. And I'm still right. trying to catch up on everything. Like I'm still airing content every week that right. I, that I still have from last year that I haven't aired yet because I got myself, you know, like so caught up and so ahead, but then it turns out too it ends up like being the universe looking out for me, I guess, because all this other stuff started falling in my lap. So it gave me a chance to kind of keep using that, but pursue these other endeavors and then use it all as a way to promote one thing or the other and make it all one big kind of conglomeration. But I mean, you're, you're exactly right though. I mean, it's just, it keeps going, it keeps being fun and it keeps being a great platform to get people out there who, you know, the listeners may not know, but we'll become a fan of by hearing this stuff. Right, right. And now I think if I remember correctly, me and you were talking, you said you can probably, you have so much in the can that you can probably get keep going for like six months, if I remember correctly. I think that's and, about and, that's about right. And then uh, this Friday will actually be our um, our two-year episode. So, I mean, it's it's so crazy how that's that's turned out, but... We're actually, um, it's already dropped on my YouTube channel, but we're going to be doing an interview with Jeffrey Cantor, who people might know from uh, the Daredevil series in Marvel. Yep, yep. And he's going to be talking about a uh, a project that's very, you know, near and dear to him about helping teens cope with 
you know, parents who may have died by, by suicide or someone in their family that may have died by suicide. And that we, we recorded that earlier this year at a convention I did. And, you know, this past Friday was an episode with uh, the guy that played Darth Vader in Rogue One, the guy that was in the suit, Spencer Wilding, who people have probably seen in the Fast and Furious movies, like doing stage combat with the rocks. So, I mean, it's just getting these little random bits and pieces here and there and just plugging and playing and then still having content to, to, you know, to let out later. Like it's, it's crazy to have that, that safety net, so to speak, but it's also nice to know, like I can still get interviews in, but I also don't have to stress if I can't make one happen this week because this is going on or whatever it is. And you can also, if need be, or if you feel like it, just take a break. Absolutely. And that's, that's been something I've tried to do a lot more this year because literally leading into um, a show that I did in March of this year, uh, the Caverna Super Show that The Godfather was at, like that was literally just my entire year and a half almost of the stresses of 2022 and just burying myself in all these passions and side projects and just trying to escape the real world and the, you know, the cluster that that was over the last year and just trying to give myself a little bit of a break afterwards. But at the same time too, it's like, man, I, I, I know I need to be here. I need to be having time with my family. And I enjoyed that part. I enjoyed getting to go on vacation, but it's also like, man, I miss performing. I just, I, I miss being busy. I'm not used to not being busy. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to give yourself a break sometimes when you enjoy what you're doing, even if you need to do it. And now uh, it's kind of funny because, like, I ended up having the busiest spring I'd ever have had, mm -hmm. excuse me, with um, April and May. And I had I had booked double, triple booked uh, interviews. Wow. In uh, probably for the month of May. So I probably did three per day for, say, Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays. So and a few I had to reschedule, this being one of them. Right. And I took the entire month. I think I recorded three interviews for the entire month of June, but I pretty much took the entire month of June off. And I said, You earned it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wanted to relax. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to relax, spend some time with my family. My uh, youngest son from my first marriage came up to visit for two months. Oh, nice. And, That's awesome. So we just chilled. You know what I mean? And his right. whole goal was. Oh, while I'm here, I just want to go see a lot of wrestling. And that's yeah. exactly what that's exactly what we did. Oh, so. you can't beat it. I love it when because my oldest is getting like he's getting hooked into it right now, too. And he's gotten to come to some shows. He got to travel with me uh to Wisconsin last year. And it's just cool getting to share those memories with them. And now he's uh, yeah. he's excited for the the premium live event or the pay-per-view this Sunday or the Saturday, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yep. Weird, weird saying that, but I love it. But, you know, it's just it's so cool getting to share that with them now and seeing like how they develop their love for it. Hi, this is Bob Smith. You might remember me from my years at Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. Well, now I've started a brand new podcast called The Outdated Wrestling Hour. Yes, we're going to take a whimsical look back at the wrestling figures, stars and trends from years gone by. We're talking 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and a whole lot more. There's going to be laughs. There's going to be fun. There's going to be action. You name it. Please tune in for the outdated wrestling hour wherever you get your podcasts. It's funny because my son is just like, no, I don't want to watch WWE, but he'll go to an indie show, a local indie show, any right. given day, any given day, because that's just his flavor, I guess. That's what yeah. he likes. You know and what I mean? And I'll, yeah, I'll man, say it right cool. now. 
any any wrestling fan, any sports entertainment fan can learn from him because a lot of these guys that they like on WWE or AEW right now, where did they come from? Exactly. You know, they love these indie guys, but they don't go support the local indies. So go because you never know who the next star is going to be or where they're going to come from. And you could say that you saw them there. And I've seen a lot of guys, and I know uh, even now, guys that I've been watching for years, a bunch of them, probably in the last month, a couple of them made MLW debuts recently. Mm-hmm. A guy that uh, from around here had wrestled for about, what, two or three years in MLW. So, I mean, these guys are getting out there. You know what yeah. I mean? I've seen some of these guys on AEW TV as well. And it's just awesome to follow people. You should be happy when you see these people Absolutely. on television, when you see them. And I, I think I put out a post, similar post early today on social media. Coincidentally, be happy for them. Don't mock them. They're living their dream. And just because you're not on there, don't be upset. And that's exactly right, too, because, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to not have sour grapes. I get it because you want to hear yeah. that somebody's doing good, but you don't want to hear that they're doing better than you. But, yeah, I mean, we're all in our own individual races. And I have to remind myself of that, too, because, you know, like somebody will get called uh, as an extra for this show or and I right. don't or, or whatever it may be. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's still cool to see these people getting to live their dreams. And yeah. just because you haven't discovered your thing yet doesn't mean you have to dump on what they're doing. Like encourage right. them because you never know. They may be the one that encourages your kid or somebody that you love. And they start following their dreams because they see this person doing it. You know, it's it's a trickle-down effect that people don't really think about. Yeah, and it's just, I think it's awesome when people I know uh, get to see them on TV. You yeah. know what I mean? And Absolutely. I'm so happy. I don't think, I don't have that goal. You know what I mean? This is, mm-hmm. it's a part-time thing for me at work. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, would I take the offer? Most likely. If Absolutely. The was, <laughs> if the money was right. But that's not my ultimate in the in the long right. run. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. So, I think it's amazing. I love watching my people I've seen grow on the independent circuit, either a get better and then get to that level. Cause I've seen it quite, quite a few times. And, Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, and right now in the Northeast and Connecticut, now we've been talking quite a long time. So we got to get your ass out here. We've said that quite a few times. So, but Hey, we we can make it happen. It's still, the year's still young. So we got some time. Yeah, but it's uh, it's just amazing when you, uh, you your area, man. Connecticut is on fire right now. I think that Connecticut is probably one of the the best scenes in the uh, New England and the northeastern it. part of the United States. So I love it. I mean, I'd I'd love to come up there and book a tour of three or four shows over a however many day period and see if I couldn't finagle the connection with uh, with Vince's personal trainer to get in the Titan Towers gym, you know. But who knows? Like, I'd love to just get up there and meet new people and work with new talents too, because I've, I've really learned, especially like going to Milwaukee of all places where there's a lot more of the athletic spotty stuff going on that sometimes that old school Southern heel, if you want to call it that, or that Southern worker tends to stand out a little bit more, but can still work the pacing of those guys and then slow it right back down. So it automatically stands out on a card. It's that buffet mentality. So I'd love to, bring that up there too and see who I can hold my own with. Yeah. And I think when I first met you, I, uh, the, your first appearance, I told you that uh, my preferred style of wrestling is the style that you're yep. familiar with and you live down there is the Southern style professional wrestling. Absolutely. If you, if you, if you want to call it that, that I love, yep. uh, I sit at home, sit awake at night. Um, you know, when I get a moment to myself, 
sit back and watch some classic uh, stuff from the Carolinas or even down further in, uh, you know, Memphis and, and all yeah. that stuff in Texas and stuff. So it's just, and that's the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm studying. Uh, one of the things that I've been going through lately, you know, is studying uh, older commentators to try to improve myself oh, yeah. doing play-by-play. -play. One of the guys I've been studying a lot lately is Bill Mercer from World Class, who Very I'm nice. a huge fan of. So uh, do you still go back, watch footage, and try to see what influences, sure. I mean, influences you and what could you could uh, use in the ring? Absolutely, because, I mean, like, there's still, like, I think, it, I think I saw it within the last year, and – I could be wrong or it may have just been a really vivid, you know, dream that I'm making fruition right now. But like Nick Bockwinkle and Tully Blanchard were always like two of my favorite guys, but I never, I never saw them work. And then within the last year or so like footage of them having a match came out because I think Nick came into Tully's dad's promotion at the time. Like just seeing stuff like that, it's like, you've been a fan of these guys. You've seen the matches with Dusty. You've seen the matches with Magnum or, you know, like you've even seen him working an enhancement match with a big boss man and seeing how he works a guy bigger than him, but you never get to see him work this guy. Then you get to see that dream match all these years later. There's still little things you can learn, even going back and watching the same matches over. Why did he do this? Why did he do that? Like there, there's a lot more to learn there, especially, you know, like I, I say that now more than like a lot of the stuff that's on TV, because I know I'm not going to do a lot of this fast paced, high flying stuff, but. I can be the guy that catches a lot of these guys, but a lot of the people that are like that work this older style, like a Tully Blanchard or the guys in the territory days. And that's what I like to watch because it's more believable. It's more relatable. And you can still find things even outside of wrestling, like in movies or TV characters that do something little characteristics or little things they do in a fight that you can incorporate into a wrestling match. Like there's so many different ways you can learn and, Sometimes you get burned out watching the same footage over and over again, but you find them working somebody else. You find a different feud they did, and you can still learn. You just have to go in with that mentality that you're watching as a fan, but you're also watching to study, and you'll always find something new. Yeah, it's always uh, one of those things. It's always you have to go study if you yeah. want to be successful. Yep. In the world of professional wrestling, I know people that sit there. Uh, it's funny because, like, some guys just I know don't won't even go back and watch old school stuff. And it's like yeah. some guys I'll speak to, they're watching everything. They're going through the year 1987 or 1988 because they want to know the history of, say, the NWA mm -hmm. or and and see what works and see what doesn't work and all that stuff. It's kind of amazing to that there's certain people out there that just want to learn absolutely to 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 help. Uh, elevate their career in the world of yeah. professional wrestling. And it, it's something that's really stuck with me too, because, um, you know, about four years into my career, uh, the week of Thanksgiving that year was 2011. I ended up getting to do a, uh, you know, a two day thing with Dory Funk Jr. And a, a group of his trainees that he brought up to Nashville. And one of those went on to be Weston Blake or Corey Weston, you know, the guy from uh, NXT Blake and yep. Murphy. Um, right. so you can see like these guys knew their history. They trained from one of the best, but a lot of these guys that were there training didn't know, like they were still in training themselves or been working for a year or so didn't know who Dory was. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't understand that, especially, you know, like when you've got a former world's champion coming in and you sign up for this seminar, why did you sign up for it? If you don't know who it is, like that never made sense to me. 
And then about two years later to the day, I did a seminar with Dr. Tom uh, down in West Tennessee. And he was just asking the guys questions. And the first question he asked was, can anybody here tell me who the very first United States champion was? And, you know, I raised my hand and said, Harley race. Cause I'm a huge Harley race fan, huge NWA fan. And he goes, how did you know that? And why did you know that? And I said, because I love this. I want to know everything about it. I want to know the history of it. And I want to study these people. And he goes, well, why do you think that's important to know the history of something like this? And I said, you know, like, how can you carry it on if you don't know what you're representing? If you don't know the footsteps that you're following behind or the people that laid the foundation for you, how can you love it and give it the respect that it deserves or say that you're a fan? And I feel like that caught him off guard because I don't think he was expecting anyone to really give that answer because I was one of maybe two other people that, that was there that actually had gear, had been working different places, and I'd worked some shows with Tom before. But a lot of the other guys were there in like jeans and, you know, wife beater tank tops and stuff like that. And we're getting blown up because he was running us through the drills he did at developmental. But, you know, it's just like he didn't it didn't seem like he had a lot of hopes and expectations because people had just, oh, I got in because of the attitude there. I got in because of this. And they never went past that. They never dove into this huge world that's right beyond that that could have given them a lot more. So you just said something that kind of struck me because I heard uh, something from us about a seminar that happened up here mm -hmm. with, uh, recently. So oh. how many people in any of these seminars that you've taken part in never actually took part in the world of professional wrestling? Maybe they played football, maybe they whatever, but never actually weren't actually indie workers and weren't in the world of professional wrestling, but they saw that there was a seminar, a tryout, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. How many, how many would you say that, uh, say in one seminar, how many, what, what is it like, you know, or how many actual professional wrestlers are in there that were working the independent scenes and how many guys, because I'll tell you, uh, after you answer, I've, I've got two that jump out to mind. All the others I, I have had, professional wrestlers and then whether or not they had like professional gears, a different story. But right. I remember vividly my first one with anybody like that. There were literally outside of the guy that was helping Dutch Mantel run this seminar. It basically turned into me, Jeremiah Plunkett and another guy training four guys who were supposedly wrestlers in East Tennessee at this time, how to do these spots and how to do these maneuvers you know, like one of these guys was told to take a hip toss, ended up doing something completely different, and almost dropped a guy on his head. So like that's one right there where it's like four to three of three of us versus four guys that had never done squat, despite what they say. And then one guy who didn't make it past the first day of a three day kid cash seminar. Uh, he ended up he had no experience whatsoever. No, uh, you know, amateur wrestling experience. I'm not even really sure how he got in there, but it ended up being me, two other wrestlers who were not there the entire time either. I was the only one there all the entire weekend and this guy who did not come back the second day. So, I mean, I would say of the ones I've done, probably about five at the most that were nowhere in the business, which might seem like a small number, but that's still too many if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, because there was a seminar up here, like I said, a couple months, maybe a month ago, over a month ago, and I guess that uh, one guy 
came in and he was an athlete. He played football, but uh, never been in the world of professional wrestling, never trained in the world of professional wrestling, professional wrestling, and really knew nothing about the world of wrestling outside of mm. what he sees on what he sees on television. Okay. So I guess he was able to get, uh, you know, assistance through a match and was able to do okay. Yeah. Because of, because of uh, a friend of mine, uh, talking them through it and wor he worked with a friend of mine through the seminar, but obviously I don't think it went any further than, right. than just that. And I just find that kind of, uh, absurd in a way, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Don't lie your way through it or, yeah. or just go just, you know, be honest. And just, if you're going to do it, try to show what kind of an athlete you are. Absolutely. You know, or show some, show some personality, show something. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't mean to cut you off, and this may no, this may dig me a hole that I may never come out of, but I think it it may be a, a side effect of that NIL program that WWE does with you know collegiate athletes or people that may not you know they may have these impressive backgrounds but have no idea about professional wrestling or sports entertainment. And you know I remember this time last year they were talking about all the injuries that happened at the athlete tryouts uh, that were going on all week leading up to SummerSlam. Right. These guys, I think Dwight Howard was the standout because he came in and showed personality, cut promos and, and all this stuff. But, you know, a lot of these guys and girls don't have the love and the passion for it. And they, they get through because of their athletic ability and their aptitude to learn and their willingness to learn. But these other people, it seems like they've heard that and think that this is how it's going to play out for them. They're going to do this one seminar and then, boom, WWE is going to notice me and here I go or whatever it may be. And it's it, it's not that easy at all. So many people paint that brush of, oh, it's it's fake or it's this or it's that, and then I'm just going to make all this money off of it. Right. No, there, there's a lot more that goes into it, and there's a lot of people that are going to help teach you and make you look better than you really are along the way too. Yeah, and my, my thing is that it was probably due to something that WWE, like you said, WWE brings in athletes to try out and they bring in wrestlers to try Absolutely. out. They have a wrestler, like a room that has the wrestlers, a, a room that has the regular athletes and they decide who they want, you know, depending yeah. on the personality and charisma basically. Yep. And I mean, yeah. I, I, I just find that wild. Yeah, I, I do too. And I would say too, you know, especially because charisma wise, or if I have a microphone in my hand, if I could just have that one opportunity I know I can hold my own. I know I've, I've been told by certain people at one of the big three companies that I have a very articulate, intense, excellent delivery of promo skills and it, it caught their attention, but I haven't had that opportunity for the other one that I've been to. And, but you know, like I can, I'm probably not going to be a, the physical specimen. Like a lot of these guys are, I might do something that surprises somebody. But I could easily, if given the opportunity, be a manager for one of these people, be somebody that helps them understand the background, the psychology of wrestling and talk for them if they don't know how to talk or have the charisma and personality. But a lot of guys tend to get overlooked or excluded because they don't have that look, even though they have an it factor that they just haven't seen yet, if that makes sense. You know, it's right. just, it's a very cosmetic business and I'm still working on that. Like since the, the tryout seminar I did about four months ago now I've lost weight since and I'm still trying to get back to get up there again. And it just, it's an ongoing battle, you know, and it's, but there are guys with abs that haven't done squat or done half of what I've done. And let's get you on TV. You know, like you're, you're this security guard, you're this, that, and the other, 
And you see the same people doing it every week, not to throw stones, but it, it is what it is, you know. And it gets frustrating after a while. One of the things you just mentioned is that it's a very cosmetic business. Now, mm -hmm. I find that, you know, we might dig ourselves into some holes here. But it's, <laughs> so, it's the truth, though. I mean, it, it might yeah. get eyes on us, though, too. So who knows? Yeah. You go back to, say, 1980s and prior, mm -hmm. not so much. Not so much. You had to needed to know how to wrestle. You can, it was, yeah. I mean, or, you know, in New York, you had to look like a giant yep. kind of a thing. Monster factory, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they looked like big, gigantic muscle heads. Absolutely. And bodybuilders, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at older footage and how many of the excuse me, how many of those guys were really cut and ripped and shaped? They look they just a lot of guys look kind of plain. Yeah. I guess. Even <clears throat> though they were incredibly in shape, because you cannot do this unless yep. you're incredibly in shape. But and some I mean, of these guys could work circles around for sure guys you know that were just uh all beefed up and muscle heads and stuff yep and i mean you could even go back to two of the names that we mentioned earlier with arn anderson and tully blanchard you would yeah. never classify them as as bodybuilder physiques but they no. were 100 built to go and i mean you you look at those guys and know that's not somebody i'd want to get in a bar fight with you could look at barry windham fit finley you know like all these guys like Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, and some of these guys weren't even cosmetically appealing, but they looked like attractions. Like they were somebody that you would turn your head at if you saw them because you don't know this guy might be legitimately insane. And yeah. you've got a guy like Hulk Hogan that they're going to face or Jerry Lawler. You actually believe that this guy is in legitimate danger because here comes Bruiser Brody out of his mind swinging a chain and you think he's about to kill somebody. You know, it's... I, I don't necessarily think the looks matter, but I think being in shape does because if it becomes cookie cutter, you start losing all these people. And I know everybody's built differently, but I, I definitely think there are ways you can work around cosmetic imperfections to make these guys TV ready in your mind to where they, they can work with these guys and give you something new that's not the same flavor of the week every time. And it seems like, you know, Guys like Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard that you mentioned, Stan Hansen, those guys looked like professional wrestlers. Yep. Again, my draft, like what professional wrestlers are supposed to look like. Absolutely. Now a lot of guys are like you mean, like cosmetically different. They look like they're celebrities. Seth Rollins yeah. comes out looking sing, Seth Rollins comes out looking like he's in a glam band or something right. to that effect. Look like he raided David Bowie's closet. Uh, you know, stuff like that. It's kind yeah. of it's everybody has a personality today. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think that that plays a big part too, because it differentiates it because if everybody came out being the, you know, the glammed up, you know, actor, pretty boy, we'd have a thousand yeah. different misses on the, uh, you know, on the show with the same personality, which, right. you know, that guy right there, I would give him his due because he's got the actor look. That's his character. And you can plug and play with him wherever you want him to be, and it works. But, I mean, like you said, with, with the whole Arn Anderson thing, that kind of comes full circle because 10 years ago, back in college, people would stop me and ask if I was a wrestler. Now, I don't know if they meant, like, collegiate wrestler or professional wrestler, but the way that I carried myself and the way I was built, they knew I did something, and I always took that to heart because – I, I would think of Arn Anderson. You look at that guy. Oh, that guy right. is a badass wrestler. That's what I want to be associated with, you know? And that's that's something that I think more guys need to look like or take seriously 
instead of looking like somebody that's buying the ticket, you know, I, and I hate to say it in those terms, but there's a lot of that stuff on the indie still to this day. Right. Right. Um, let's see. What else do we got here? Do you, what, how is the, uh, your show going, your podcast? I know you hear me. It's going good, man. And it's, uh, like I said, this Friday is going to be the, uh, the two year anniversary show, which it, it, like I, I actually just recorded a little snippet for uh, the episode that follows that. It literally asked, "Where has the time gone? I, what has happened in these last two years? Like, I did not expect this to be where it is now. Like, am I on the level of an Adam Carolla or a busted open? Absolutely not. But am I enjoying what I'm doing? Yes. Are there some days that it feels like a job and I don't want to do it? Yes. But I know that I'm going to feel better once I do and I get the content out because it's. It's opened up so many doors, and on top of the wrestling, it's helped me meet so many awesome people that, you know, I, I looked up to as a kid and never thought I'd get the chance to talk to or meet or even get a chance to text them in my phone, you know, different things like that. And it, it's helped me deal with a lot of things, too, that I wasn't comfortable addressing, like depression and anxiety, because I never knew for sure if I had anxiety or anything like that. And talking to different people, it convinced me to go and you know, talk to a doctor and start addressing it. And, you know, it's just, it, it's opened up so many doors and broken down so many walls that I, I've had people tell me that like these people that they thought were like just these celebrity idols that were on pedestals, they're human. And it, it's humanized so many people like a, a Dan Severn or a Bob Bergen, who people will know as the voice of Porky Pig for the longest time. You know, like it's humanized them. Because they they all started from the same place we all did, and they've just taken these different journeys, but showed that they're average, ordinary people too that found something they loved and just pursued it with the utmost passion, you know. And it just it it's given me a chance to live and learn, uh, find out better things about myself, and then just show that we're all human and tell people stories, you know. If that if I could sum it up in any way, it's just humanizing and telling the human story more than anything. But it's it's two years now, and I like I, I can't believe that. I want to say congratulations on that. I find that Thank completely you. amazing. Um, one of the things that I really like about your podcast is it's not just a wrestling podcast, right? It's an entertainment podcast. You have actors, professional wrestlers. Mm -hmm. You talk about your own wrestling career a little bit here and there. Yep. You have guys like Kenny Bolin on your show, which I really enjoyed that episode. You have all sorts of people on your pad podcast. It's like listening to like a regular radio show, so to speak. It doesn't. You don't have to be um, a fan of any particular style or genre. Right. Like, you don't go in there expecting, hey, this is going to be a professional wrestling podcast. That's what I'm in the mood for. You get a variety of different things on your show, mm -hmm. and that's what I appreciated about about your show. Uh, Thank you. I know you hear me. Is the name of the show? Go like, subscribe, share, Absolutely. all that other stuff. You can see it right there too. And they're sure to warm under this one too. So I should have worn my Flynn shirt tonight. He's got a shirt. I can vouch for him. He's got a shirt. So <laughs> you guys should get one too. Check my show notes. There you go. There you go. Go buy it and uh Absolutely. support and Flynn Hendricks and and uh obviously go you have a YouTube channel, don't you? Yep. Uh, I've got everything in my link tree. It's Linktree slash the Flynn Hendricks and I, I I always like to make it a point too not to brag or not to, you know, like just say that I'm this outrageous angelic person, but every 10% of every sale uh, that I make, whether it's shirts, pictures, toys, whatever, 10% um, goes to the Nashville Humane Association and 10% goes to St. Jude. 
So those are two big charities that are very close to my heart and anything that I can do to help them. I'm all about it. So I do monthly donations and anything that comes from those sales, 10% of it goes to help them as well. So, you know, you not only get a cool shirt that feels good, but you get to, you know, help some great causes as well. I wear mine. I love mine, man. I think it's great. Dude, I'm a I'm a shirt snob. I hate those stiff shirts. Like uh, all the WWE shop shirts that I used to have when I was growing up were so thick and heavy, but I loved them because they were wrestling. But if yeah. I tried to put one on now, man, it's just too sweaty. It's too They're uncomfortable. Yeah. Now they now it. they use um now they use the fanatics shirts or something like that. Yeah. And they're way way later. I bought a couple every yep. rest, every year around WrestleMania. I always buy it's usually somebody that's getting into the Hall of Fame that I need to buy a shirt yep. of and. I got to get my yearly WrestleMania shirt. However, man, this kind of upset me. I owned this shirt about two months and I spilled bleach on it. Talk about upsetting. Oh, <laughs> man. And I'll so, say too, I've, I've gone back and I've, I've sniped eBay as many times as I could because I, I, for some reason I thought the Shawn Michaels shirt from 2018 when they came back and did that match with, uh, with Kane and the undertaker. I loved that shirt, but I, I was hoping that it was going to be one of those soft shirts yeah. I missed it on WWE shop. I went back and got it. It was the heavy one. And I'm like, ah, but yeah. I mean, you know, occasionally they bring that stuff back. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, you'll get the one that you can replace. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not the only one that I, that I ruined. Like there was one right. day, uh, my wife, I had this like exclusive Amazon, uh, Roddy Piper shirt that was only available for one month for oh, like a thing. No. So I bought it and my wife had sprayed the counter with bleach and I leaned up against the bleach not knowing I had just come upstairs and, uh, going to pour some coffee. And then next thing you know, like I just looked down and there's just, and I was like, Oh, God. Oh no. So I was like, I can't find this shirt ever again. It was only available six months ago for one month. Oh my God. Which but one it was happens. it? Which one was it, by the way? Because I'm drawing a blank on which one it was. The Piper one was uh it was like uh WWE has like a subscription service through Amazon where it's like uh once a month they get like mm. some something, and then one month it was like a it's like a cartoon image of Piper with uh and it had uh, next to him, it had like, just when, you know, you think you know the answers, I change all the questions yeah. or whatever, that line that he that he said on it. And I love that shirt, man. I thought it was great. I'd have to, I have to look for, to oh, see man. if there's one on eBay or whatnot. Because right. it was, a, yeah, it was an awesome shirt. Yeah, it's 20 bucks a month, and you, it, which I think is a great deal. For and sure. You get, and you get like a, a really good quality soft t-shirt. So. Absolutely. I mean, that's all. So, I'm going to sign up for that. Don't tell my yeah. wife, though. No, I was a shirt chunky. Now the funny part about this is I was a shirt chunky for since the pandemic. I had mm -hmm. purchased something like 400 t-shirts. Literally. I was buying boxes, I was buying uh you know, stuff like that, the mystery yeah. crates, all that stuff and anytime I saw a company like High Spots uh, all of a sudden Oh, you're get, having like a deal on t-shirts, a grab bag of t-shirts. I would, oh, okay. I'd buy two or three of them at a time. Right. Suddenly Let's I don't see. feel so bad about my, my immense side of the closet with t-shirts. So, yeah. well, I, the funny part is I gave about 200 of them away about two weeks Ooh, ago. So man. I was like, I went through, I was like, damn, man. I was like, I got way too many shirts. I called my buddy yep. up. I said, dude, I said, if you don't come and get these, you're going to end up in the goodwill in the morning. Literally he was at my house a half an hour later. Oh, so. That's amazing though. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it's uh being a wrestling fan is amazing like that you do it the really same is. thing with uh anything in pop culture music any yep. of that stuff you can see you it all get, behind me yeah yeah so i uh i kept about uh 
about 200 or so, maybe give or take, you know, I had to keep any of my Harley race or anything like absolutely, that. Absolutely. Shirts. So, you know, anything that's like an absolute legend, like, like Harley or whoever yeah. else. So I had to keep. So. And I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. the same way. If, it, if it's somebody that I know, or I've done a show with, or, you know, recently, you know, been on screen with, I, I've got to have something to commemorate that. I'm just, right. I don't know yeah. how my mind works that way, but those, that's the stuff I'll hang on to. And if I downsize other stuff, I'll, I'll keep this as a memento because it's, it's just special to me for that reason only. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Flynn, what do you have, uh, coming up? Anything you want to shout out or announce any of that stuff? I would say, um, if anybody's around the Nashville area, that's, you know, knows about the murder mystery company. I've got a bunch of shows coming up there. Uh, pretty much anywhere within a five hour radius that they book me. That's where we're traveling. So you like improv, you like to solve a crime, you know, make sure you're at one of those shows. They do public shows where you can buy tickets and you can even get good food while you're there. So how can you lose on that? But, um, my next show is going to be on the 19th in Monticello, Kentucky, which actually I'm literally leaving my son's fourth birthday party hitting the road and going up there for that. Cause I got to defend this. And then I've got two shows in West Tennessee at the end of the month. Um, then like I mentioned, I've got Tullahoma for two shots in September so far. Then I've got dates in Kentucky booked out through the rest of the year. And I'm also looking to travel past that too. So if anybody wants to book the world television champion, hit the Flynn Hendricks at gmail.com. Let's talk business and bring me to your town. And, Maybe you'll be the one that finally books me versus Matt Cardona, and we'll make that happen. I can check it off my bucket list. So somebody wants to do it. Somebody's got it. I want to say uh, thank you, Flynn, for, for coming back as, as always, you. man. I'm glad that we got, finally got to do this again. I, that, that makes two of us, man. And I, I'm still trying to figure out how it's been a year. I, I It's flown <laughs> by that fast, and I, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right, and it doesn't seem fair, but it's here we are. So <laughs> well, we'll be I was living, next time. Yeah, I was living in my old house when we recorded the first That's house. right. We moved into a new house. Yep. So I got a new, whole new studio. You know, so I'm sorry. That reminds me too. We've got to, we've got to get you on my show too. Cause we got to, we had to reschedule both of those. So yeah, we got to yeah. make it happen. Absolutely. Uh, hang in there and thank Absolutely. you very much for coming in. And with the, uh, thank you for having me too. Absolutely.